0: You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you're the best. Halford and Bruff.
1: Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Sportsnet 650 studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Basketball Ben, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning. Good morning. Ben's a little tired. That, this that morning. was not Ben's best good morning. He intentionally did that. Okay. We talked earlier. He said the Friday, after a long week of early mornings, is as the kids say, hitting different. Okay. I did. I
2: did say hitting different. Yeah,
1: because it is hitting hitting you different. It is. Have you ever worked this consecutive stretch of more aside from working with us? Have no. you ever done like morning shifts like this before? No. How many hours of sleep are you clocking on average per evening? Six. Oh,
2: that's not bad. I kind of see your, I see Bruff's email always, mm-hmm. and then I usually miss yours. Mine comes in around 1030. Yeah, yeah. so I'm asleep by then. Yeah. I'm a warrior. Or trying mm-hmm.
1: to be. Yeah, that's Mike's what a, i That's a be.
3: crazy night owl. I'm amazed at how late you stay up sometimes, considering.
1: And then how good the show is in the morning?
3: Well, yeah. Sure.
1: Mike goes home and has like a four-hour nap. It's not a yeah. nap. It's a that's second sleep. It's a sleep. It's a, <laughs> he has two second sleeps. Do you think they know yeah. about second sleep? <laughs> Have you guys heard about it? It's the craze that's sweeping the nation. Most specifically, my household. Okay, uh, it is a big day. It's Friday. It's Ask Us Anything Friday. We have an NFL game to recap. Before we do any of that, I need to tell you that Halford & Brough in the Morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Barrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. So I mentioned it is Ask Us Anything Friday on the program. Uh, We have a bunch of Ask Us Anythings in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket already. A testament to our listeners, but mostly to Mike, the urologist from Brockville. They're mostly from him, right? but still, the fact that anyone would willingly wake up, listen to this program, participate in it with such good Ask Us Anythings, That really warms the cockles of my heart. So we'll get to those later in the show. We've left a couple segments open to do Ask Us Anything. It's a tradition here on the Halford and Bruff Show. And the the premise remains the same. You ask us anything, we will answer it. We'll do that throughout the day. Uh, That is one of the things we're going to do on the show today. It's 7 o'clock. Our first guest, Jason, Brady Henderson from ESPN's NFL Nation.
0: And Brady just wrote a great article on the Russell Wilson divorce from the Seattle Seahawks. And we talked about this uh, yesterday. Uh, I've had people come up to me and say, did you read
1: Brady's piece on the
0: Seahawks? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. Sure did. I guess you didn't listen to the show, (laughs)
1: friend. (laughs) Air quotes. Um, And then yesterday Russ met with the media via Zoom and was kind of typical classical Russ fashion, but he did drop that nugget confirming what was in Brady's story Mm -hmm. that the Seahawks had previously tried to trade him before moving him to Denver. They tried to do it in 2018. I want to
0: talk to Brady about that. Um, Well, I want to talk to him about the whole piece, but it's also been reported. And I don't know if I believe this, that if the Seahawks had been able to complete that trade with the Cleveland Browns, Mm -hmm. they would have not taken Baker Mayfield first overall, they would have taken Josh Allen. Correct. Right. And then there was, yeah. There that's was, been reported by multiple outlets.
1: Yeah. And then there was, there was a couple drafts where Schneider went in really enamored with a quarterback. I think he was exceptionally high on Patrick Mahomes as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So that pissed off the Russell Wilson camp mm-hmm. because I guess it was very public and John Schneider was like, he wasn't hiding in the shadows. He didn't wear like chin putty and a fake mustache. Well, he, he went to their pro days. Yes, that's correct. He was caught on camera. Right. That's why I always have to wear a hat and, and glasses. And Russell Wilson was like,
0: why, 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 are you going to the I'm I have a legacy.
1: And he hadn't even had an MVP vote at that point and the subsequent years from there. So seven o'clock, Brady Henderson. He will also serve as our de facto preview for the Seahawks and the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Uh seven thirty, Kevin Woodley is going to join us, NHL.com. And in Goal Magazine, we will talk all things connects with Kev. We can get into some goaltending stories across the NHL if we have time as well. 8 o'clock, it's the Moj, Bob the Moj Marjanovic on the call for tonight's game. Lions, Owls, from Montreal. It is not Vernon Adams that will start at quarterback for the BC Lions. It's another former Montreal quarterback, Antonio Pipkin. One of my favorite names, Antonio Pipkin.
0: Yeah, and uh, I saw Antonio Pipkin play. Uh, How was that for the you? Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and he didn't look great. He was that there. Was, that was the game that uh, Michael O'Connor started. It's very confusing to keep all the quarterback names um, in line because the Lions also released Kevin Thompson. They had too many quarterbacks. There, was, there's, there, there are many quarterbacks uh, in, in BC Lions land, uh, but it sounds like Pipkin's going to get the start, and Vernon Adams... Um, you no, know, Farhan was saying the other day on Donnie and Dolly that, uh, or maybe yesterday, mm-hmm. that he expects Vernon Adams to play. Um, so we'll talk tonight. About. He's sorry, he yeah, expects it, to play. Tonight, oh, okay. like like a, like Pipkin will start, but right. we'll probably see
1: Adams. So that's at four thirty tonight for those that are interested. Uh, also tonight, the Jays, the red hot Toronto Blue Jays, open their series against the Texas Rangers. U.S. Open men's semifinals, including the highly anticipated, and I'll say that legitimately. Uh Alcaraz Tiafo semifinal on the men's side of things. I believe that's the late game tonight, if oh. I'm not mistaken. So Alcaraz gets another chance to go till two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. Eastern time. And, I didn't re- sorry, and, did not and, to cut you off. I didn't realize that his match pro- so he went till two fifty in the morning mm-hmm. uh, in his previous match against Yannick Sinner. Mm-hmm. The match before that Alcaraz also went till 2 o'clock He's in the in morning. Idaho. He is. Yeah. He loves the party. And uh, in
0: the other semifinal, uh, two guys.
1: Yep. There are two tennis players. <laughs> One of them is named Karen. Right. So that's what's going on tonight. Uh, also, I remind you, it's Ask Us Anything Friday. I also forgot. I didn't even put this in the notes. Uh, we have to do our NFL picks and our locks of the week. Another tradition. Are we doing this?
0: Are we, we doing locks of the week again? Yes, I guess we are.
1: It's I'm a, just so bad at it, man. I, but that's the beauty of it. That's yeah. the charm. That's the allure. Mm-hmm. We have tra- traditions are important. Yeah, it's paying homage to dead people. I always just end up picking like funny ones. No, which, I, there's like no analysis. Real, really
0: put it into it. Like I'm probably gonna pick either the Broncos or the Seahawks.
1: Like it's so yeah. I mean that's the game to go with, yeah. right? I'll probably go with the Sunday nighter with the Bucks and the Cowboys. Also a ballyhooed match. If if people can't see through. The facade, it's not even really a facade. We're just naturally bad at it. But there should be a disclaimer attached to our picks, like the Halford and Bruff picks are not meant yeah. to be taken. Please gamble responsibly, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, some of these, eh, we're just doing for fun. We're just trying to like, spice up some of the big games of the weekend, right? Like, we're not going to go see, hard on the, on the I over see, under in a, in a Jacksonville game. Like, that's
0: not going to happen. I see two points of value here, guys.
1: Yeah, like, that's not <laughs> it. I'm going to tell you how many units I'm going to bet this weekend, right? Like, I don't, like, it's not, I'm not that guy. There are those guys. I'm not them, but uh, that's what's coming up today. So we got a big show ahead. Obviously, it's a Friday. We're always gonna have some fun on a Friday. Let's not waste any more time. Andy, Ben, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game
1: last night? No. what happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? Yes, dramatic voiceover guy. I did catch the game last night. What a start. What a statement from the Buffalo Bills. So much hype and anticipation coming into this year. As we mentioned yesterday on the show, first time since 1991 when they went to the Super Bowl, that they entered the season as a betting favorite for the Super Bowl. And speaking of the Super Bowl, they handle the defending Super Bowl champions 31-10 to 10 on Thursday night in LA. How much of the game did you catch yesterday?
0: Uh, I caught about half of it. Um, I, I, I stopped watching closely in the second half when the Bills pulled away. But the first half was certainly entertaining. Um, I mean, there were there. It was a bit sloppy at times. There was a lot of turnovers, um, and you know, I know they were talking on the broadcast about, hey, maybe you should play your players a little mm. in, in the preseason, <laughs> which actually made me think about Russell Wilson heading sure. into Seattle on Monday night, a new team. He had, didn't play at all in the preseason, and I realize you can still set up game like situations in in practice, right? Um, but it's not against players from other teams. And Seattle especially will know a little bit about Russell Wilson and his tendencies and right. and, 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 and 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 any any weaknesses out there um, and it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, but back to last night,
1: yeah, the Bills look good, man. Like the, the- <laughs> There's a reason they're getting a lot of hype. Biggest question for me after last night's game, because it's, again, this is the National Football League, and, like, the the overreaction, underreaction. Overreaction is always what you do after one game. Was that more about how good and how dominant the Bills looked, or was it more about how underwhelming the Rams looked? Because. I think it was a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to pick one or the other. No, I know. That's classic sports debate, though, Jason. Let's Um, dig in.
0: How much do you think Von Miller
1: helps the Bills? That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. I. It's funny because he's been around for a long time. It's right? funny how
0: the attachment that he that, he, that yes. he was talking about I'm glad with the you Rams. Brought, I'm glad you brought that I'm up. Like, I'm like, I know you won a Super Bowl. I know it was special. But he was acting like he was returning to a team that he played for for a decade.
1: Yeah, he was there for like six weeks in L.A. So it was funny because the interview Jason's talking about was his walk-off at the end of the game. Uh, they interviewed Josh Allen. He left. and Von Miller came in. And the final question was kind of put up on a platter for him. They're like, how excited are you to be part of this Bills team? You guys just came in here, flew all the way out to the West Coast, beat the defending Super Bowl champions by 21 points in their barn. How how excited are you to be a Bill? And his response was, "I really miss LA. Like, I love <laughs> I love all the guys here. It was a really special time. We There's won a Super in Bowl." Buffalo. Nothing. I Well, seriously, he's like, I haven't even left my hotel yet. I've been here for six weeks. I haven't left my hotel yet. So, but on the field, um. That might have, with everything that happened last night, that might have been the biggest story because it was um, it was a spotlight on how much better Von Miller made the Bills' pass rush. Yeah, But it was also how susceptible the Rams are going to be to a good pass rush because Andrew Whitworth, their legendary uh, offensive lineman, is gone. They redid a lot of their offensive line, and it did not look good. Stafford got sacked seven times. And you mentioned this yesterday, and we pro- I probably should have like built on it a little bit more, you were like, what about Stafford's health, right? You are like, he's getting a little bit older. He's banged up. He's basically, the story of his off season was he was dealing with pretty significant elbow pain in his right elbow, his throwing arm, right? And McVay played it down. Stafford played it down. They said he was throwing the ball, quote unquote, excellent. It didn't look that way last night, like at all. Like Stafford, that offense put up 10 points. And in the first half, that's where all the offense came. Nothing Mm -hmm. in the second half. And you've got to say it. A lot of those points came from a good performance from the Rams defense that put him in decent field position a couple times.
0: Can I just say one thing since we're going to see Russell Wilson in a Broncos jersey in a couple days? Hurt my soul to see Bobby Wagner in a Rams
1: jersey. 45. Kind of hurt
0: me too when I saw Josh Allen just run
1: through him. So there's two things on Bobby Wagner. One, looks awkward wearing number 45. Two, didn't look great last night. And I know... He's obviously lost a step because he's a little bit older. He did lead the NFL in tackles over those last couple of years in Seattle. New team, new adjustments and everything, but it didn't look right. It didn't look, it, di- it just didn't look good. Yeah. It didn't look right. It didn't, it looked awkward the entire time. And that's obviously coming from two Seahawks
0: we, fans. We, we also have to take into account that Bobby Wagner had all those tackles because he had to make a bunch of tackles. Right? Yeah, he was on the field. He's on the field all the time. And in a lot of ways, it was like crediting the goalie on a bad team with making a lot of saves. Sure, I'm like, well, he has 50 shots a game.
1: Yeah. Uh, ben, can we hear from Rams head coach Sean McVay here? Because in classic veteran coach fashion, uh, McVay, he took took the loss on himself. He said, this one's on me, guys. I didn't prepare you properly. First time since he's been in L.A. that the Rams lost their opener and that's the most sacks that a Sean McVay team has taken since he's gotten to L.A. with seven. Uh, here is Rams head coach Sean McVay on his failings in a 31-10 to loss to the Bills on Thursday night. They did a great job. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of the ways that this game unfolded, uh, I feel a huge sense of responsibility to this team. We weren't ready to go. Um, I take a lot of... Uh, You know, pride in that, and that's on me. I got to do better. There was a lot of decisions that I made that I felt like didn't put our players in good enough spots. This was a humbling experience, but we're going to stay connected. We're going to all look inward. We're going to do a better job moving forward, but you give credit to the Bills, and then we've got to understand that we've got to have that mindset and mentality to be able to move forward accordingly, but Um, you know, I do take a lot of responsibility in this. It was a very humbling night, but one that, uh, you know, Hey, you got to be able to uh, look yourself in the mirror, say, I got to be better within the framework of my role. That's exactly what I'm going to do. That's what I know our coaches are going to do. That's what our players are going to do. And we're going to stay together and we're looking forward to our next opportunity to be resilient and, and respond.
0: Maybe the Seahawks are going to sneak in and, and into the playoffs by winning the NFC West with a seven and ten record. <laughs> they got in at seven and nine, but seven and ten. Okay, so hear me out on this. I'm, I'm listening. Um, so the, the the Rams, maybe they're just they're 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 a one and done kind of team. They're done. They're too old. Super Bowl hangover. Um, so we'll we'll count them out. They're they're, they're terrible. done, but they're obvious. They're, they're obviously done. terrible. Go down to San Francisco. Uh, I I don't know the Trey, Trey Lance Jimmy G thing. That could boil over. That could boil over. You know that that hurts a culture on a team. It, it's a it's a really big distraction. Young, untested quarterback. Yeah, just like I I don't I, I'm not loving that. The Niners are gonna be a disaster. And of course Kyler Murray, a uh, guy doesn't watch film. Um, Play too much Fortnite. Just a real lack of maturity there. Now that he's gotten paid too, like mm. he, it might all go out the window there. It so, might be Call of Duty. And, and remember, they had to take out that uh, thing in the contract where they could they could monitor his studying because it was too embarrassing to him and too embarrassing to the franchise. So now he's not even... He, he doesn't even have to be bound by that. So Andre
1: Hopkins is suspended. Uh, they're in trouble, they're, that team.
0: Everyone, everyone in the NFC West
1: is 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 in trouble. Did the Seahawks just win the division? I think they
0: just won the division last Sick. night. It's crazy, man.
1: Way to go, Geno Smith and or Drew Locke, whoever takes the helm. Speaking of Seahawks quarterbacks, Russell Wilson met with the media yesterday via Zoom ahead of his first regular season game with the Denver Broncos, which just so happens to be against his former team, the Seattle Seahawks, in Seattle. Uh, we mentioned this off the top. One of the big developments was that Russell confirmed what our buddy Brady Henderson, who will be on the show at 7 o'clock, by the way, uh, what he unveiled in his latest expose for ESPN.com is that this trade wasn't the first time that the Seahawks tried to deal Russell Wilson. They tried to do it previously, or dating all the way back to 2018. Uh, Russ just kind of stated it as matter of fact. He didn't say that it was... Like, a a bee in his bonnet. It didn't gnaw away at him, but the reports from Brady Henderson certainly suggested otherwise that, Mm -hmm. yes, it did bother the Russell Wilson camp that the Seahawks were trying to move on from him.
0: I think he only recently heard that report. Like, he didn't hear it at the time. He only recently heard about that. I
1: think the the impression I got from Brady's piece was that every time the Seahawks did anything to slightly undermine their faith in Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. he took it as a personal affront. And I think... Somewhere in either his mind or his agent's mind, they kind of like, is this, is this the first step towards a trade? Are they thinking about moving on from me? Yeah. and So if that's lingering for three years, dating all the way back to 2018, you can understand how it got to this breaking point.
0: Well, and then you combine the lack of success on the yep. field for yep. the team yep. and all the times he's been getting sacked. The offensive line is the one area where I will
1: like, empathize with Russ. Oh, I think he's right. Just point, point blank. Yeah. I think he was right now, in those criticisms.
0: What the Seahawks could push back on, and it was suggested in Brady's piece, was, hey, man, you're making a lot of money now, so we have to uh, prioritize where we're going to spend our money.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I, you know, they tried. I'll give them that. It's not like they didn't, it wasn't for lack of trying. They made the Dwayne Brown trade. They they did different things. (laughs) Dwayne Brown was pissed too. He did not care for Russell Wilson throwing the offensive line under the bus. (laughs) Like whatsoever. He's like, come on, man. Like I was the only guy here that was doing anything and you're still throwing the line under the bus. So they tried a lot of different things. It just didn't work. Brought in, remember the Tom Cable experiment? And then it was, uh, remember George Fant? It was the converted tight end. They tried to turn into a lineman. They thought they had something. So they tried a lot of things. It didn't work. But the reality of it is is that the numbers for Russ in terms of how many times he was being sacked were staggering. Like he is among the for the first, I think it was decade of his career, one of those advanced ESPN stats departments had it that, you know, close to four hundred sacks, he is way, way, way out in front of other guys. Now, don't get me wrong, some of that has to do with the way that he plays, right? When you hold onto the ball for a long time and you try and extend plays and make things happen with your feet. Sometimes you're going to get dropped for a loss when otherwise you would have thrown the ball away or something like
0: that. I'm going to blame the entire Seahawks' divorce on Jermaine Effetti. It's all his uh, fault. Who they actually did draft with the first-round pick back in 2016. Uh, and then he, uh, had approximately,
1: uh, uh, 600 false starts. It was unbelievable. He was a first round pick. Yeah, he was a first round pick. See, I mean, there's a complaint you can have if you're Russell Wilson. So like, yeah. you guys had a chance this guy here. You had a good, you had a chance to get a good offensive lineman. Still, you came up with the human yellow <laughs> hanky over here. Okay. Uh, Ben, you spent a large part of yesterday perusing the Russell Wilson, uh, audio. So without further ado, walk us through it. Let's ride. Tell me what you got. Tell me what was the best clip and uh, play it for us and the listening audience.
2: So he said a lot of stuff. He so sure did. But I will, I'll play some of my favorites.
4: Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think the end of the day, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, after 10 years of trying to make a difference there and, you know, winning all the, you know, winning a lot of football games and all of us doing it together, I think that was really special. And I think also too, you know, Seattle will always, uh, Mean the world to me, you know. It'll always, forever be home for me. It'll always be a special place in my heart. Obviously,
0: I can never get over how the cadence sounds exactly
1: like Pete Carroll. Yep. You know, you see it in certain markets <laughs> with, like, for example, uh, Bo Horvat used to do a real good Travis Green.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't. He didn't. He didn't sound like him. No, he, he just d- he said didn't said get the to same the words.
1: Where, yeah, he, it's the cadence. Like mm-hmm. it sounds exactly the same. It's kind of choppy. Yep. You know. He had, he had some Pete tendencies for sure.
0: Um, so Ben, so that was him obviously talking about how, um, what Seattle meant to him, uh, et cetera. And it meant a lot. Apparently. It meant a lot. Uh, I, I, listen, I, I don't doubt that. I know we make, we make fun of Russell Wilson a lot and, uh, I'm going through a messy breakup with him. Right now, I mean, we've broken up, but we're we're still kind of sniping at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I guess he doesn't know I exist, but um, you're sniping at him. I'm though. sniping at him, and uh, you know, listen, he did do a lot for the city of Seattle, and he hey, was yeah. he was very very involved, and he said Abs- that a
2: lot. He said how much the city meant to him. Yeah, repeatedly yeah and, I don't, and I,
1: don't, I don't i don't i don't doubt that or i wouldn't push back against that at all like again we can be i know this is hard to believe but we can be kind of caustic and yeah. kind of cynical uh on this show but no. uh, on occasion no, no, we, on occasion yeah, yeah. Th-
0: this and, is a now, canucks fault they've turned us rough. into cynics <laughs>
2: this next clip is for bruff on russell wilson having a winning mindset oh, yes. oh good
4: okay You know, I don't think winners don't waste time on on things that have nothing to do with the game at the end of the day. I just don't think that you can do that. You can't have the capacity. So for me, uh, my focus is on what what does it take to win today's practice? What does it take to win? Making sure our meetings every day are great, you know, and and making sure the language is right. uh, The championship thought process, everything. That's, that's that's what it has to be. There's no other there's no other way about it. There, there'll be a time and place you think about it back and reflect on it all. and like I said, I for, Seattle forever mean the world to me man I just I loved it there you know I, like I said, I played 10 years there. It was an amazing experience and I loved every second of it. Aww.
0: What does it take to win MVP? <laughs> <laughs> what does it take to win MVP?
1: That, that clip started out I was like, oh, here we go. Russ has gone into Russ mode, but then he really turned it around. He had me in the first half, not gonna mm-hmm. lie, but then the second part of that clip. It was actually uh, again. I think that there's two parts to this, um, and I think it's going to be reflected in how he's received on Monday night. To be honest, is I think there's a genuine appreciation for the guy, what he did, his story, how he came from kind of obscurity to become, and he's the greatest quarterback in franchise history and won them their only Super Bowl. So that should think over- of all
0: the entertainment
1: that he brought
0: us on the field yeah. with the incredible finishes that he helped orchestrate, um, his incredible plays that he was a part of, um, I mean, watching him play was really, really fun. And his escapability, some of the throws that he made, listen, I know that when the Seahawks won the Super um, he wasn't the only thing about it, right? In fact, he might not have been the biggest thing. It was, it was the Legion of Boom. And that's kind of the legacy. When people talk about the Seahawks teams, they, they talk about the Legion of Boom teams, right? Mm -hmm. And it was the running game with Marshawn Lynch and it it there was, it wasn't just Russ, but. He, he, he was fantastic for them. Yep. He was incredible for them. Yeah, and-, and and I felt privileged at the time to, to watch him play and to be able to cheer for him. Um, you know, I've said, I think he's the best athlete that I've ever gotten to cheer for. And people have pushed back on that. they said, well, what about the Sedins? What about Burry? Russ had this magic about him. Right. Yep. And, and. And he got it, like his team got it done, right? Yeah. And and that's that's what makes a difference for me. But we are going through a messy breakup. <laughs> and on Monday night, I am going to be very emotionally involved in this game. And I'm preparing myself for all possibilities. I'm preparing myself for the Denver Broncos coming into Seattle and absolutely destroying the Seahawks based on what I saw from the Seahawks in the preseason and just looking at them on paper, looking at their quarterback situation, looking at how young they are in some positions, how inexperienced they are uh, compared to the Denver Broncos. But I'm also prepared for the Seahawks to just muster something and be aided by a crowd that is going to, I believe, show Russell Wilson a lot of respect At the beginning of the game. I think there's going to be a very loud ovation for Russell Wilson. I think there's going to be a standing ovation. I think there might be a few people that boo. But I think once that's over, Mm -hmm. once the uh, introductions are over and the opportunity for Seahawks fans to thank Russell Wilson, it's going to get loud and it's going to get wild in there and people are going to be hoping upon hope that the Seahawks take care of business.
1: I wonder how many false start penalties the Denver Broncos will have on Monday night football. I wonder if we can wager on that. Cause that would be the ultimate test for the 12s at Lumen field, right? I mean, that's their legacy is they've got the, the, that record. I think it was 10 false starts that they had against the giants way back in the day when Eli Manning was under court yeah. under center. So, Hey, I think that there's all the possibilities for it to be this really, really emotional Monday night football game where you've got the highs and the love for Russell Wilson. And then automatically, Shifting towards the hate.
0: Uh, So coming up in the next segment, uh, we're not going to talk to Brady Henderson. We don't have a guest until the 7 o'clock hour. Brady Henderson will join us at 7 o'clock. We'll talk more about Russell Wilson and the piece that Brady wrote, as well as just previewing where the Seahawks are at heading into their big Monday nighter. Maybe we'll talk to Brady about the Rams and the rest of the NFC West. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about what Tort said about uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and how he's real concerned about their quote-unquote room, uh, real concerned about their culture. It'll be interesting to see what torts can do with that team this year. Um, We'll also talk a little local news. BC Lions play the Montreal Alouettes tonight. Um, Cavallini suspended for a while for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, Another nail in the coffin for the Vancouver Whitecaps season. Uh, we'll also dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line and we'll do some Ask Us Anything." It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show.
1: Uh, Concerts West presents Pink Floyd's Roger Waters live September 15th at Rogers Arena. Get your tickets now at rogerwaters.com. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. You are listening to Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts.
4: You're listening to the best of the day.
1: I you, you're the best. Halford
0: and Bruff.
1: 634 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. All right, second segment in the show, just to uh, break down what will be happening for the remainder. Seven o'clock, Brady Henderson, ESPN NFL Nation Seahawks reporter, talk about his very very impressive expose on the divorce between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also preview Monday night's game between the Seahawks and the Broncos. Uh, 7.30, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, In Goal Magazine, is going to join us. Kev just uh, DM'd us. He slid into our DMs on Twitter. He wanted us to know that he's ready for the hit, but he's also just driven uh, one of his daughters to volleyball practice, so he might go back to sleep for a few minutes. Oh, okay. So, that's the update, the latest on Kevin Woodley. Here on the Halford & Breath Show.
0: He always wants to know what we want to talk about, and I just want to reply, goalies. Goalies. <laughs>
1: yeah. Stopping pucks. What's up in, what's up, goalie-wise, Kev? <laughs> so, 730, Woodley's going to join us. 8 o'clock, it's the Moj, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. He will be on the call tonight. It is the Leos. It is the Owls from Montreal. And again, in case you missed it, uh, it won't be the newly acquired Vernon Adams Jr. a quarterback it will be Antonio Pipkin for your British Columbia Lions. Okay, um, we could get into some of the more local stories. We can start with the Lions if you like. We can do the Whitecap stuff as well. We can do Ask Us Anythings. All these three things we will do uh, before the end of the hour here, Jason. Where do you want to start?
0: Uh, let's talk, let's t- start with the Lions because okay. um, I'm very curious to see, obviously, how this quarterback situation shakes out. So in case you need a refresher... Obviously, Nathan Rourke is sidelined probably for the rest of the season. Now, when he was sidelined, they went with Michael O'Connor to start against the Saskatchewan Roughriders. What was that, like a week and a half ago now? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Around there? Yep. Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, Michael O'Connor then got hurt, and Antonio Pipkin came in. Neither looked all that good.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, you were at the game. How did O'Connor, because I only really saw the second half. How did O'Connor look in the first before he got hurt? He made a
0: few plays, uh, but he didn't look great. Um, Pipkin looked like he hadn't run the offense much. Sure. Which is fair enough because, you know, he (laughs) hadn't. Uh, Yeah, And then the Lions made some moves. They traded for Vernon Adams Jr. And uh, that meant they had to release Kevin Thompson, who a lot of people were thinking – might have some potential, but I think he had some injury issues as well. Okay. So now on their quarterback's chart, the depth chart right now, they've got Antonio Pipkin listed number one, Vernon Adams Jr. number two, and Michael O'Connor number three. So his injury wasn't super serious or anything like that. What I think they're going to do, and we'll confirm this with Moj, and I heard it from Farhan, um, is Pipkin's going to start tonight in Montreal? But I think Vernon Adams Jr. is going to be av- available.
1: Okay, yeah, it, w- it would make sense that a guy that you acquired a handful of days ago doesn't automatically jump in and start playing at the most pr- important position on the field. But at the same time, uh, it's the Lions. It's such a weird time in their season because I think everyone was like, "Oh man, they lost so much momentum with losing Nathan Rourke. He was going to be the MLP. He was the best player in the CFL." They also had a tremendous record. like They were uh, neck and neck with Winnipeg for being the best team record-wise in the CFL. You don't want to start just throwing games away and taking L's because you you mentioned this a couple times. The Lions don't just want to make the playoffs. They'd sure as hell like to host a playoff yeah, game. Yeah,
0: they want to host a game. So it's funny. It, it seems like the Nathan Rourke injury happened quite a long time ago now. They've only played one game without him. Yep. They lost 23-16 to the Rough Riders at BC Place. And then they had a bye week because they don't, they're the the odd team out on on the Labor Day weekend. Um, So here's their schedule. They go into Montreal tonight, obviously, to play the Owls. Uh, The Alouettes aren't anything special. Completely winnable game. They're in the East. Of course, they're not not (laughs) anything special. I think the Argos are first in that division with like a 500 record right now. Uh, And then there are two huge games. Next Saturday in Calgary, and then the following Saturday at BC Place, both against the Calgary Stampeders. And the Calgary Stampeders are the third-place team Mm -hmm. in the division. So if they want to host a game, they got to stay in at least second place.
1: And if you remember, one of Nathan Rorick's last hurrahs before he got hurt was that game where they went into Calgary and he had another scintillating performance. Yeah, that was incredible. So you've got a Calgary team that's probably going to come in pissed off because they had lost to this Lions team. You need to get, bottom line, With the amount of draft capital that the Lions spent to get Adams in the door and the belief that this season is salvageable, it kind of leads you to believe that you've got to get him up to speed probably quicker than you would like or you would imagine. So I do wonder how much he'll play tonight and I also wonder how good he's going to be. Because while he is of starting caliber in the CFL, I don't think you could call him a star. I mean, you consider consider him at any point a star in the making, but He's going to be a better option, I would say, long-term, long-term meaning the rest of this season, than what Pipkin would have been or what Michael O'Connor or Thompson would have been. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jason's currently dying right now. It's
0: funny that both Pipkin and Vernon Adams Jr.
1: have history with the Alouettes. Yep. And they're playing Montreal tonight. Okay, so uh, we will now turn our attention to the Vancouver Whitecaps only because they got some news yesterday off the pitch Major League Soccer's disciplinary committee finally made what we thought we knew was going to be official. Lucas Cavallini got a four-game suspension for stepping on the head of a player against Nashville a couple games ago. He stepped on the head? I didn't see this. It was so stupid. So stupid. It was moments after coming on, and he was running down the sideline and saw – I believe he had gotten tangled up with the Nashville player prior to the incident, sort of running down the sideline, then went out of his way to do a sort of – a, a, a Super Mario type jump step, but then used his plant foot to kind of push off the head of the players. Of <laughs> like, oh, I didn't see it there. I have now embedded my cleats into this guy's skull. Four games for Cavallini means he misses this weekend's game against Colorado, and then another two after that because he's already sat out one game. Right. There is a semi realistic chance that you have seen Lucas Cavallini play his last game for the Vancouver Whitecaps. And it, he's their leading goal scorer, is he not? That is correct. He, For all of his warts and all of his flaws, and there are a lot, and a lot of people have been very underwhelmed with this play since coming over as a high-priced designated player a few years ago, he has scored a lot of goals this year. And a lot of important goals as well. Uh, at the same yeah. time, this suspension is sort of the embodiment, the crystallization of the lack of discipline he's had ever since he arrived in Vancouver. Yeah. The knock on him was... He ran hot. He was an emotional guy, and he would have disciplinary problems, and it never, ever got better. As a matter of fact, this is the worst disciplinary thing that he's done in his time in, in Vancouver. Do you think he'll be picked for the Canadian team of the World Cup? Great question. Uh, I'd say he's right on the cusp of, like, you might be the last guy on the 23-man right. or 25-man. We also might leave you at home. Here's what you're looking at. Let's say, hypothetically, um, he serves a suspension, and by the time he's eligible to return, the Whitecaps are done. They've been eliminated from playoff contention. There's nothing left to play for. Yeah. If you're the Whitecaps, you're like, you know what, Lucas? your con- His contract expires in December. Okay. So, do we just say, hey, let's just part ways here. We're going to give some of the guys from the academy a chance to play. We're going to play other guys. Your time here is done. You can start looking for other employment. If that happens, I don't know how he gets match fit. I don't know how he gets into games to try and get ready for the World Cup.
0: Do you think the Whitecaps are going to have significant change this off season? And 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 I asked this, que- ask this question, knowing how wrong we got the Canucks offseason.
1: Yeah, they're gonna. Well, they're gonna have to. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know if Vanny's going to survive this mm-hmm. because the year has been unfortunately for him. How a lot of people saw it playing out, like the magic ran out, the good vibes from last year, that yeah. momentum ran out. Losing Max Crapeau, I think as soon as that happened, everyone was like, ooh, right, that's not a great situation for any manager when you lose your, your most valuable player from a year ago. In the Canadian Championship that the
0: Whitecaps won, let's all be honest. Listen, it was fun. You and I were at the game. It was a great moment. It was a good moment for the Caps, but how much credit are we really going to give the club for beating a bunch of teams... Um in a lower division than them to get to the final. They didn't play any MLS teams along the way. Toronto had to play Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they hosted the final and won in penalty kicks. Yeah, they. You it, know was, it was great that they won it. Like yeah. I, I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but we even said this before the match. Like It wasn't a huge accomplishment to get there. They better win it.
1: Yeah, I think, specifically with Sartini, here's how I would classify it. Uh, in a short period of time, he did some really cool things and really great things. He won the Canadian Club Championship. He got them to the playoffs, right? So he did two good things. I don't think he was ever meant to be a long-term thing, right? I don't. I think that after the run they went on last year, it was kind of like what we saw with the Canucks and Rutherford and Boudreaux where they were like, okay, we got to bring you back. You deserve that. You've earned that. I think Vanny was awesome to have on. I think when we look back on the more colorful characters that we've ever had come through Vancouver. I think we'll kind of remember him for just how off the wall and bizarre he was, but also a guy that got some good results. But at the end of the day, this season is going to go down as a disappointment. Mm -hmm. No question. With the amount of players that they brought in, with the amount of buys that they had, with the taste that they gave people of what could be, success-wise, winning a trophy— they completely fell apart at the most important time of the year, which is the exact opposite to what they did last year. Uh, Let's do some Ask Us
0: Anythings here. Matt and Abby, Ask Us Anything. What is your go-to beer? Andy, do you want to be part of this? Yes, Yes. Andy. Uh, What is your go-to beer, and do you prefer a bottle, can, or draft?
3: I would say can generally. Uh, It depends on if the craft beer is crafted for the can or if it's crafted for the bottle. You like to take it in the can. You know that's that's how we go over here. yeah, um, I mean, I've worked at a craft beer store for several years, so I mean, I've sampled many a beer in my day and i I probably say it depends on the time of season like when it gets colder out, I, I definitely go for stouts porters, heavier, stronger yeah. beers mm-hmm. in the summer more of a sours or IPA kind of guy. Uh, it really depends on the season.
0: Yeah, knowing that Andy works at a craft beer store, um, I really want to impress him here. So I will say my favorite beer and the beer I drink the most is Coors Light. Mm. Coors Light, and a classic. I, and, a tiny
1: and, little microbrewery out of Denver.
0: And, and uh, drinks uh, I drink it out of a can.
3: Yeah. <laughs> a can as well. It yeah. also takes it in the can. Yeah. So you drink one beer, precisely one beer, and call 911, as it, the uh, it, tweet says. It is,
0: <laughs> it, it is crazy uh, how little beer. I drank this year. I think this is the least amount of beer I drank since, I don't know, grade 10. Yeah. Right. You like- drank a lot of beer in grade 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a rough yeah. year. <laughs> a r- yeah. Man, yeah. let me no, tell grade, you. Grade, t- grade nine, not much, not <laughs> much 10. at all. Grade 10, oh, a uh, <laughs> little bit, but not, you know, it was hard to, hard to uh, get sometimes. Right. That's when you started um, going to the
2: Denny's on Broadway. No, 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 that was, <laughs> a, that was in
0: my, that was in my later years. Um, all the way up to my thirties, actually. Um, yeah, I I I I don't know. I The game I, has
1: changed. The the, yeah, the all the ready-made drinks. Yeah, there drink RG, a lot of like gin drinks now. Cuz you can. They're delightful. That was not a thing when we were yeah. growing up, right? There was you could steal your dad's old speckled hen from the back mm-hmm. of the fridge and you would drink that and you sh- and then there would be a I liquor. still
0: remember uh stealing a pack of uh or a pack,
1: a six-pack of Labat Blue. Mhm. That's I you mean, still that was make Labat Blue? Yeah, it's it's you know where it's popular is the US. Really? Yeah, Labatt Blue is very popular in certain pockets of the U.S. Mm. Mostly those with hockey teams. Right. But, okay. Um, you know that that was the thing when we were kids. You could. It was beer. Wildcat. It was beer. If it was beer. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was record. it. That was it. Right now, there's all these options. Um, ben, just you look, a great time for kids and drinking. <laughs> ben looked at me. Ben looked at me quizzically when we only threw to Andy. But the reason that we did is because Andy has retail experience he, he works in a beer store
2: I didn't know that
1: Yeah he's um, a lot
2: more qualified to speak Are you
1: are you a beer guy cuz I know you're a Coca-Cola guy Yeah I'm a big Coca-Cola guy Yeah
2: I'm not really a beer guy Yeah I, I do I could dabble in a Corona bottle with yeah. a lime in it I like a good oh, Corona a especially classic. in the summer Yeah summer like that. Yep. yep after a round of golf or something Are you like are you
0: like it's. a rum and coke guy?
2: And I'll, I'll do like a vodka soda Oh okay like simple so, so you 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 drink
0: like 30 cokes a day <laughs> But you'll drink, well, I like vodka soda. I want to keep the sugar content down. Ruff likes the margaritas Watch with the like calories. the giant
3: bottles like Garth. I, yeah. cups and gar- like Garth and I
0: actually would say that going out to restaurants and ordering a cocktail, margarita led the way this summer. Yep. And I'm, I, I, always, I always thought that a margarita was just a summer drink. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking it
1: year round. Big bold, moves, big, bold moves. Big, bold moves Yeah, for the margarita industry. Yeah, The only guy at Christmas dinner drinking a margarita. Yeah, you I'll love have a margarita, head. please. Yeah. Uh, Do you want some eggnog? Two straws. Can, Can you
4: margarita Sir, this? This is a
3: McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to I'll tell
1: you. On the Rocks or Slushy? What's your margarita style?
0: On the Rocks. Yeah.
3: yeah. Classy.
1: Yeah. Classy. What a classy guy.
0: Yeah. Slushy? Uh, I don't
1: know. I just feel like I'm drinking a Slurpee. Yeah, you're going a little bit on vacation mode. I think that's the difference. On the Rocks is, is a distinguished drink. You can have, while at dinner, the slushy one is like you're drinking out of a yard-long vase in Las Vegas.
3: Do you get up from the restaurant if you open the menu and there's no margaritas in it? Do you just um, like nope,
0: not for me? No, because they'll usually make you a margarita. If you ask nicely. Yeah. What's the most offensive thing for a restaurant? Or let's say you're going to like a pub. Okay. What's the most offensive thing for them not to have? I'm going to lead nachos.
2: Guinness. If it's a pub. If they don't have Guinness. If it's a pub. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: a good pull because apparently there's like a province-wide shortage that I've talked to a few of my friends that are in the hospitality industry and there are a lot of Irish bars that because of the strike, like, don't oh have yeah, yeah. Well, my,
3: my store has struggled with even just like vodkas and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's it's hard to get stock right now.
1: That's a death knell if you're an Irish pub. Like yeah. you may you probably can't open that <laughs> night if you They're don't just, have yeah, clothes. Like, no the there for side that. The front, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what up. kind of beers do you have? Gore's light. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> we got food here. Bruff says nachos. I say Guinness.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are but those are good choices. Yeah, yeah that'd that'd actually not actually
2: be. A, you know what? That's a nice meal.
1: Nachos um, and Guinness. Yeah. yeah, where can I put these two together? Why is
3: he pointing the Guinness on the nachos? You
1: know, there are if you go to one, is it? Every restaurant, pub we're talking about here, should have wings on the menu, right? Because No, that's a good one. I yeah. went to one the other day that didn't. Really? They didn't have wings? Yeah, and, and, the, and the waitress was very like non-wing forward. She acknowledged it, saying, like, we know we don't have wings. Yeah. People ask for them all the time. It is weird, yeah. If yeah. you're a
3: pub, you should have wings, you should have nachos, those are just mm-hmm. staples, obvious calls.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: Mike, the urologist from Brockville, sent in three ask us anythings. Uh, I'm going to ask this one, or I'm going to read this one because it actually has to do with sports. Uh, Long-term, where do you guys see this Canucks core ending up? And he gives some really good options. Sedin-era greatness, so they nearly won a Stanley Cup. They won two President's Trophies. Um, They were, at times, the class of the NHL. The second option is West Coast-era middling success, yeah, even when those West Coast era teams were good, like I think they had a hundred and one points. That was the most points they ever put up. I think that was in two thousand and three. Mm-hmm.
1: Naslam won a trophy. They,
0: they still, they still were sixth or seventh in the NHL. There were teams that finished the regular season with more points than them. Okay, I get the tier. Or, so tier
1: one, tier two. Okay, or
0: the Messier era debacle. Uh, Mike says, I feel like we're trending towards the West Coast Express. I would say that too.
3: They're not as deep as the 2011 team, right? That's the difference. 2011 or they well, era. Well, not on the back end for yeah, sure. Yeah, like they're so much deeper back then.
0: They, they also don't have the, like the bar for that 2011 team was very high. I mean, we had Hart Trophy winners and. Um, Selkie. Selkie winners and probably should have had a Vesno winner.
2: Number one power play, number one penalty
0: kill. Exactly. Like their special teams were unbelievable. If you looked at the goals for and goals against in the league, they were either first or second in, in both categories. That was a very, very complete team. Mm-hmm. Um, now the West Coast Express had so much talent, but they just they were just never able to kind of pull it together at the right time. They
1: also
2: had Dan Clute. They also had Dan Clucci in yeah, goal. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I've done this exercise before, and one thing that we don't really mention when we're talking about eras is the level of competition elsewhere in the NHL. So with the low key with the 2011 Canucks, they came along at a time where there wasn't this arms race for unbelievable talent in the NHL. They were it, right? you said, like they had the best power play, the best penalty kill. They were the best team, right? But who was the Who were the second or third best eras and genres at that time? Uh, you ran up against they ran up against the Sharks team that that was sort of peak Thornton, Marlowe, Pavelski, yeah, uh, Burns. Every, every, so there was that. Mm-hmm. The best team in the East during that run was largely Washington, and this was well before they ever got to the heights winning. They, they were known as sort of the perennial um, playoff flop team. Philadelphia Flyers had some great teams right they got to that one Stanley Cup against Chicago and then well there's
0: obviously Chicago too. right
1: but chicago is really the only one and that was more of a collective right like they were a good team right now what you're talking about is with the core and i'm i'm assuming that detroit was still still a pretty good team back then it, it, yeah they were they were yeah. they never i mean but they, that was the tail end of Datsuk and Zetterberg um it's it's just interesting because you look at Crosby was going through his concussion problems around that time. So Pittsburgh wasn't the sort of viable perennial contender that they always were. When the Canucks had that 2011 season, uh, they played a Boston team, which was good, not great, in the regular season. And I don't think anyone really expected them to make that run to the playoffs. People thought it was going to be Tampa Bay, right? The the point I'm making here is that this current crew and the core, let's just highlight it as what? uh, Let's go with the three young guys. Demko, Hughes, and Pedersen. Mm-hmm. There's such a level of competition for similarly aged guys that are go- they're going to have to continually go up against. So like for the better of uh, Pedersen's career, he's going to be playing in the same division as McDavid. So that's going to be... But that's why he
0: has to rise to the yep. levels that we think he can. Mm-hmm. He has to rise to the level of... I keep on throwing out the name Datsuk, but I think that's a good comparison because I think he has that potential... The Canucks uh, have to, you know, Demko has to be in the Vesna conversation. Hughes has to be in the Norris conversation. Right. Pedersen has to be in the Selkie or even the Hart conversation. This isn't just me having, um, you know, crazy expectations for these guys. This is me saying what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. Look at Colorado, McCarr, Norris conversation, McKinnon. Heart conversation, right uh, now they, their goaltending was was iffy and will probably remain iffy, but uh, that team was just so loaded because mm-hmm. remember that's who wins Stanley Cups. It's like loaded teams that where where you are looking at it and going, how can a team in the hard cap era
1: bring together so much talent? Well, yeah, I mean one team just does right. When Henrik Sedin was one of the preeminent one C's in the NHL and a heart trophy winner. There wasn't a McDavid, and there wasn't a Matthews also playing. There center. was a Sid though. Yeah, but he was the year that he got hurt. Yeah, it was the year that, you <laughs> know, not so coincidentally. Because yeah. that's that's all I'm saying is that, um, Pedersen needs to like for Sadin was in that conversation as mm-hmm. the the best center in the NHL at, at his at his prime, right? Yeah. To be that now, you have to be in the conversation with mcdavid and matthews i mean that's no, just I know. the reality
2: well, well, well people
0: i think too easily some people not everyone but too easily go well okay i mean if you're comparing it to the 2011 team you know like Pedersen's henrik and horvats uh or you say gt yeah. miller's kessler i'm like well they aren't not yet hopefully they can get there but they're not there yet uh brady henderson is going to join us next talk about uh Russell Wilson and the Seahawks divorced from Russell Wilson. And, and this one goes out to someone texted in, Phil and Nanaimo. Why is the morning show obsessed with a quarterback who is overrated? Let me know when your girlfriend, cringe Russell Wilson, is not talked about. Well, we'll probably stop talking about him so much. You know, after he returns to Seattle in one of the most hyped up games of this NFL regular season. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
1: Uh, Concerts West presents Pink Floyd's Roger Waters live in the round on September 15th at Rogers Arena. Get your tickets now at rogerwaters.com. This is the best of Halford and Bruff.
4: Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.